Are you ready to hack your time? I'm Vicky and I am obsessed with course correcting everything that you've been taught about how to use your time because I know that you can create more success while having more fun and taking more rest. I went from doing all the things, working 80 hour weeks to creating a 15 hour work week. Listen and learn how to hack your time never have to say that you don't have time ever again. You too will learn how to accelerate without doing more today. Hello, hello, lovely people. I am super excited to have with me on the podcast today a very dear friend, a coach, uh, and I uh, definitely a pioneer, an expert, and someone that I've really fantasized about getting on this podcast for a long time. Miss Danielle Savory. Hello, Danielle. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So why don't you introduce yourself to everyone so they know a little bit about you? Yes. So my name is Danielle Savory. I am a sex and pleasure coach for women. And Savory is actually my last name. Just (laughs) (laughs) I was just serendipitously blessed with a name that lines right up with sexuality. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon with, I've got two daughters and a dog and a husband and what else? My background's in neuroscience. I love like mindfulness and really anything mind body, uh, my happy places in the forest. And that's me. So good. Thank you so much for being here. In fact, I'm going to share right now, straight off the bat, one of the first things that I learned from you that impacted me so much and still impacts my work today, which is like a simple sentence that I saw somewhere. Maybe it was on your podcast. And don't worry, we'll give you guys all the links to connect with Danielle at the end. Um, But it was like, your brain is your number one sex tool. Mm -hmm. And and like, it's true, right? I've been through your programs, we've worked together and we're going to go a bit more into that, but I totally see also our brain as our number one time tool. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny because you tell me like, how many other things are we sold or told is the way to create pleasure? Yeah. I mean, it's really all the external resources, right. Or external things. It's whether it's food or drugs or alcohol. And sometimes it is really sex, right. It talks about sex, but it talks about it in this very, um, I don't want to say cheap way, because I think that all sex has its level of nourishing pleasure. Um, but it is kind of thrown out there as this like quick hit, like dopamine type fix of in the pleasure realm, but it's always, things that are outside of us, right? It's always, there's some, some sort of consumption that has to happen in order for us to experience pleasure where really my, you know, philosophy and what is really true is that pleasure occurs at any given moment in your life. You just have to turn your attention to it. Mm -hmm. So good. And I think as well, this is one of the things that takes up so much of our time is that consumption and like what we were so as normally happens when I record podcasts, we started speaking before we recorded (laughs) and there was lots of powerful nuggets there. But one of the things that we were speaking about even was in our modern world was social media 
and the pleasure or the dopamine that we experience there and the way I would differentiate like your work and seeing the brain as the source of pleasure versus these external things is kind of like the length of the experience and how you feel afterwards Mm -hmm. right like if something gives you like a quick burst of like high pleasure and then afterwards you feel less you feel depleted that I feel is like traditionally what we think of when we think of pleasure versus Mm -hmm. your work which is more about I would say like a level of experience of pleasure that comes in like waves it's not like in and out so to speak yes Um, and one that afterwards leaves you feeling nourished yes exactly well and I think it's just like Um, it's that, what you said, that quick thing. It's the way that I think of going to a donut shop versus going into the yoga studio, right? Like the donut shop, it's like, you're going on the street, you smell the donuts, you want to go in and you have it. And it is good. It is pleasurable. It like gives you that burst of pleasure versus like you go into yoga and you might not necessarily feel, I mean, you do feel good, you know, as things go on, but it's a little bit more effort to get there. And then afterwards, but you feel afterwards, like relaxed, you feel taken care of, you feel nourished, right? Like you said, and it is kind of these two different mechanisms that's working on the brain that allows this more sustained pleasure and this fulfilling pleasure. And this thing that's like, you know, I don't want to use the word wholesome, but something that's like really taking care of the whole body versus like just a quick fix of something good. Yes. And the issue is if we truly know how to create pleasure ourselves, then we aren't as easily commercialized, if that's the right term, right? Right. We become truly self-sufficient in this model. We don't buy into things and we aren't consuming at a rate that huge corporations with large marketing budgets want us to. Right, right. So I think the work that you do, and I've said this to you before, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to turn on the podcast, is extremely radical and brave and absolutely necessary. Well, thank you. I I agree. <laughs> like it is. It 100% is. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that we said that we would touch on is about, as women, how we are taught to invest. Like I think about my programs and you're in them and we'll speak about them too, but how we're not really taught to invest our financial resources into creating more time and space for ourselves as women and also creating more pleasure for ourselves as women and this like nourishing pleasure that you're speaking about. Can you think of like anything that you were taught about what's okay to invest in and what's not okay to invest in? Well, it's so interesting because you know, I definitely was taught like education was a big one. Like from a young age, I always heard my parents being like, well, we're saving up for college Mm -hmm. for you all. So we can't go on these vacations like your friends are going on, or we can't do stuff like this. And so it's like, I do feel like there can be this level of like education, right? Mm -hmm. But it's usually education that is going to secure you a position in 
the world, right? It was like, you're going to college so that you can get an education so that you can make sure that you're stable and you have an income and you're safe, right? Where immediately, even as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh yeah, education, that was a good thing to learn how to invest in. But the way that it was taught, right, was very like for a reason to keep to keep me like safe and stable, which I think is, is important. But on the flip side, you know, in my family, we weren't spending money on indulgences. We weren't spending money. And I don't even want to say indulgences. I mean, that was for sure something we didn't spend money on, but vacations, you know, going and having time off, like all of those things that was never demonstrated for me. It was never really encouraged. If anything, it was kind of discouraged, like, wow, like, you know, like, I can't believe those people are going and spending all this money to go do this, you know, like it was kind of put in this vein of like, that's not what we do. We work hard so that we can have this stable, nice life, but then the stable, nice life, you don't really get to enjoy by going on any of these vacations. Right. So, you know, I think that is a huge one, um, that I was taught to invest in was, things that are going to create stability in your life, like maybe a house, you know, it was like, even when my dad talked about shoes, he was like, well, you invest in like a nice pair of shoes that are going to last you for a really long time. It was never like a pair of shoes because you like them. <laughs> it was like a pair of shoes to make sure that they will like withstand whatever it is you're doing. It was all about like longevity and durability and stability um, was it, at least in, you know, my immediate household, of course, on the outside world, it was like invest in looking desirable and looking beautiful and your body and that cool. kind of stuff. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that you came from this like learned training around focusing on durability and you've ended up focusing on pleasure. And I think like one of the one of the words that I had to really question when I was going into this work and for me investing and making business decisions and leaving what was stable and safe and, and everything that I'd been taught was the word irresponsible. And I had to mm -hmm. start asking myself, was I willing to be irresponsible? Like, what does responsible even mean? And even as you were just speaking then, it's like, what does safety really mean? And I think a lot of us come from being raised in households because, I mean, we can go back two generations and see people that were like raised during wartime or exposed to it in some way um and I think realizing that just because like, I can understand why they think how they think and we don't need to think how they thought and breaking yes. away from that yeah absolutely well and I think the other thing is is um it is. It's that it, it was that line, the irresponsible line, you know, and it's like, it's constantly. And even if it's like prattling around in the back of my mind, I have looked to ignore it. And even in my adult life, like as a grown ass woman, I can feel <laughs> my parents being like, are you sure that's a responsible choice or that's still a responsible decision? Especially because my husband and I, we have been quote unquote, very irresponsible. And I'm putting that in quotes 
because most people would look at our investments or the way that we have approached money or doing things from a very young age together as irresponsible or irrational or very um out of the box because we live in a dual entrepreneurship house. And so we've really taken it down to the wire and really invested so much in ourselves and what we thought, you know, our possibility when we had no evidence and no right really believing that something could work out. But we're just like, well, we're going to see where so many other people would be like, that's absolutely insane. Like, that's crazy. What are you doing? Like you have children, you need to make sure that they're safe. And I was like, well, we'll this sell everything. <laughs> like we'll figure it out. Right. But it's like, we've always had these discussions where we are very, um, you know, we're big risk takers when it comes to our finances. And, and because of that, we've gotten to places where it has been very uncomfortable and there's been a lot of stress and a lot of tears and a lot of worries, wondering if we were going to make quote unquote, make it, and we are going to be okay and survive. And we've been on the other side of things where it's paid off really, really well. And we've been able to keep going and live the kind of life that we want to live because we took those risks. So you know, I do think it's fascinating when you look at this irresponsible versus responsible sort of spending. But when you hear entrepreneurs, especially talk about um, when they started making choices, like there is a lot of irresponsible choices you have to make <laughs> to become a successful business person, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's like, that's when you, it's like that real, really also powerful opportunity to break away from what you've been told is okay and to start trusting yourself. And you even just said that then, really what came through as you were speaking is like a deep self-trust, a self-trust that requires you to choose going to those really uncomfortable places where there's the tears because you also know push comes to shove you will figure it out and you're also allowing yourself to go to those really incredible places and being like wow look at what we are truly capable of yes exactly Exactly. and it's so important because I think a, a lot of entrepreneurship people see like either the really successful and I've been speaking about this as well recently because I think people can look at us sometimes and think you've made it therefore you're out of the human experience and like I was just telling you I've (laughs) just decided to delay the mastermind because I have realized I need more rest need to prioritize my health and all of this stuff and it's like we are going to constantly be in it like even successful entrepreneurs are still in it we still have the feelings of fear we still have the fails that shake us we still have all of this stuff and we just know that we've bought into it Yeah. Yeah. And some days I'm like, wait, am I bought into this? Like, this is like, like, I'm just going to be totally transparent, right? Where you're just like, really? Like, did I buy into this? Like, I thought I, you know, you even have that same thought that maybe people from the outside, like, you've already, you've gotten to this place, you should be fine, where I'm like, no, 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 no. Now you're dealing with a mindset of like, it shouldn't be like this, where you have to re-remind yourself as you're going through it. No, I signed up for this. Like, this is always going to be a part of it. It might look different than it did when I was just, you know, (laughs) basically rubbing two nickels together, right? But it's like, there is there is still that roller coaster because you don't stop taking risks. You keep taking those risks. So you're dealing with those 
you know, the feeling and the reverberation of those risks constantly in your body, which of course triggers more doubt and more insecurity as you're going through it. Totally. So then answer this as a dual household of entrepreneurs going through the highs and the lows, how are you able, or what's, what would you say to anyone that's like, well, if that was the case, then I definitely wouldn't have time for pleasure. Oh no, we just have sex. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, for real, like (laughs) taking it to the real level, we have also found as a couple, right? Like that is the foundational connection and line and like nourishment. Like when all of the stuff might be burning down in our businesses, like being able to you know, whether it's solo pleasure and me being able to come home to my body and to feel alive in my body and to feel good in my body and um, putting all of those worries and doubts and everything aside to feel completely lit up. Like that is the sustainability. That is the resourcefulness that we have with inside of us. And then being in a dual entrepreneurship, we have also that privilege of being able to come back together and have that intimacy and that connection. And that becomes the bedrock, not just of our marriage. I mean, we've been together for, it'll be 20 years in February, but it's not just the bedrock of like our, our marriage. It's the bedrock of also our businesses. Like we both run you know, businesses, my husband has, you know, at a way higher scale than me. I'm like a one person and one assistant team. He's got tons of employees, right? But it's like, he needs to feel also for himself, like well-nourished and well taken care of and having this energy and this rejuvenation and are when you can come to your relationship to be able to get that, that's really, really powerful. And I, I find that it's a necessity, especially, you know, for being able to feel like resilient in this journey to have something that you can come back to that feels safe and feels like home, but also is something that you're looking forward to that, you know, is just going to keep like the juices flowing for the creativity, for the motivation, for you to keep going on in your life. So good. And before you said the word, I wrote down the word powerful, because that's what I'm hearing I feel like when we connect to our own pleasure to our own body when we see we are the creator instead of the needing for all these external things I think you can't deny the obviousness it's right in front of you how powerful you are and then you bring to your businesses to your work whatever it is that true awareness that you are powerful whereas I think there's so many things that we are put in front of or that are put in front of us that make us feel disempowered like the the example you gave about the donut and the yoga even it's like how many people feel disempowered with their relationship to food right like Mm -hmm. they they can't feel powerful in it versus this sounds almost like a pure self power if that even makes sense but yeah that's really uh, what I got from you. Well, it is. It is. I think something that's completely in your control to create, but that's not really the way that we've been presented. Especially yeah. if you've been socialized as a woman, how we've been presented to think about sensual and sexual pleasure, because it's usually something that happens 
to us, or it's presented as something that we should be showing up for in order to please somebody else. And so, you know, when you really think about the way that sex and sexuality in general has been presented now, historically, all of these sorts of things, it's not presented as something that number one, you can create and you can create for yourself for your own enjoyment, right? But it's also just not something that we have ever been told is a nourishing pleasure. It has always been thrown into the same camp as something like drugs or alcohol or some sort of, you know, cheap pleasure. And I think that's the way, the way, the reason is because the way society has thought about sex and sexual pleasure and like the quote unquote wanton woman or any of these sorts of things, it does feel kind of in that, um, you know, disposable sort of category when it comes to pleasures. Yeah. And I think you just touched on something. So a few things super important. One is I would have everyone just think about what your thoughts are right now about sex and pleasure and then and you can even pause and just like really grab a pen and piece of paper or just speak out loud or just think in your own brain and then when you've given that a few minutes at least please do that (laughs) um come back and think where you've been exposed to it where have you seen about it is it porn is it like a education class at school is it like and and who's behind that because i think much like what I speak about time, like everything we've learned about pleasure and sex has come from um, an era and a society that wasn't driven by women, let's say. Um, And so we've inherited a lot of our learned norms and rituals and practices and experiences around sex, much like time, from people not considering our enjoyment or our time at all. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And that's why it can feel like, oh, I, I think the, the, the thing for me that I've spoken with you about that I even experienced myself before working with you was like, oh, this just isn't important. And it's like, well, of course, it's not important if you don't really connect to it, if you don't ex- you know, experience what you want from it, if you feel like you going into that is actually another way that you have to give to someone else or have to perform for someone else or whatever it might be. And just to be fully transparent, when I worked with Danielle, like something that I had never really experienced, like I had great sex with my husband, (laughs) maybe his mum was listening, sorry, Um, but I'd never really experienced like self-pleasure. I'd never really been exposed to it. And it felt like this blocking relationship with myself where like I was always dependent on him and reliant on him and I couldn't just step into being powerful like you spoke about being powerful with your husband but I also know you're powerful as as yourself in this regards and I think women we are missing this true power and this true ability to activate ourselves and then we've been told it's not important we believe it's not important and so we spend 50% of our lives thinking about what we ate yesterday what we're going to eat tomorrow whether we should calorie count or intermittent fast or whatever all of this bullshit stuff that we've been told to care about instead of like for me the the purest way to just connect to ourselves yeah connect to our bodies right it's like the only connection like when you really think about it the only connection that we have to our bodies is to you know like make it more desirable mm. for 
the opposite sex to then enjoy? Like, that's really the only connection that we have is like, oh, here I am having this connection with my body so that you can enjoy so that this could, and I, maybe I will enjoy it too. Right. But it's really kind of almost, and then the rest of the time I'm going to worry about making myself you know, look a certain way so that it's more enjoyable (laughs) for you, right? There's so many like, like nuanced layers when you see in that. And even when we think about, you know, I, I, I work with so many women that are long-term partnerships, married, you know, those sorts of things. And that the idea of self-pleasure in general is not really thought about, or maybe it's always felt shameful, but then especially once you're partnered, you're like, but why would I do that? Like, I don't need to do that. Quote unquote, I don't need to, because I have this person. And when we're looking at it, like, you know, oh, it's like, or some, I even had a client say uh, once she said, I feel like that means that I'm not having my needs met or are we have a bad sex life if I'm doing this thing. That's the kind of messages we get instead of being like, oh, of course, like this is my body. This is a way to adore it and appreciate it and connect with it and feel fueled by it. We're seeing it instead as something to withhold only to be enjoyed with someone else or only to have connection with when we are, you know, molding it into this perfect shape, or maybe even just (laughs) doing something else that isn't enjoyable at all. You know, so it's just really fascinating when you look at the way that we're actually connecting with our bodies. Why would it have to be through the vehicle of consumption and other things or through the vehicle of somebody else and their enjoyment and their pleasure? Yeah. I mean, that's why we, why to me, once, once you know that and once you see that, why it makes this work not optional. And just to speak about my experience, like it was through, it was during your program. So I had the idea for a 15 hour work week for a while um I can't remember now because since having a baby like my timelines are way off I feel like I've been off work for a month but it's like seven months I'm like how did this happen um but for a while um and it was during your program that I was like oh like I'm not going to work every day I'm going to stop working on Wednesday mornings and started integrating self-pleasure in that time and I just think it's powerful for people listening to see like the after effects. There's this thing that I'd wanted to do that I was missing and connecting to myself allowed me. And then the difference or the time scale between the mornings to the 15 hour weeks was like very fast. Like once I was using that regular tool of like actually making pleasure part of my business plan. Like for me, I say rest is my business plan. I think for you, probably pleasure is your business plan. Um, I've got another friend who manifestation is her business plan. I feel like we really lean into the tools that are so powerful for us. But for me at that time, I was bringing pleasure in as part of my business plan. And it's obviously paid off in terms of creativity and value and all of that good stuff. And I just think, you know, the number one thing I hear from people that, that people are afraid of when it comes to creating their 15 hour week is like they'll have too much time and what will they do with that time and it's all this idea of our time has to be filled and accounted for instead of allowing for like what happens if you have time for yourself 
what can you create with that time? And it's not to say a that- A lot of orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, but, it, but in all jest, right? Like you're totally right. Like what can we create when we, you know, and I'm sure you talk about this all the time, right? It's like when our only idea of what our time should be used for is productivity. And I do find that one of the main obstacles or the main hurdles, even for working with people in pleasure is come overcoming those objections, those exact objections that you're overcoming, that this is a good use of my time, that this is worth to start with and prioritizing it before the other things. How is it going to fit in? I'm too tired. Well, why are you too tired? Because it's the last thing on your list, right? Like all of these other you know, elements, it's the same thing, but exactly what you said, when you realize you're incorporating more space for rest and or pleasure of how much more you have available to you. Like, I don't think that people really understand. It's like, we talk about the human potential all the time. We talk about the potential of our brain and, you know, what we're truly capable of. And it's like, if you really want to unlock that, like, this is the way it is through pleasurable experiences. It is through rest. It's through being in your body that we have so many more resources, whether it's creativity or energy, just in general, like tired mamas out there listening to me, like, (laughs) like sex is actually the reason, or excuse me, being tired is actually the reason to have more sex, right? Is because it does actually awaken that like life force vitality in us. It, it creates, you know, this nervous system response. And there's so many studies now showing what it does to the brain in and of itself. Like there are things that are happening in the body. And that's why, you know, when you talk about Vicky, that it's like, that's why it's like when you slowed down and you had those like morning rituals on Wednesday and started having this pleasure, you're like, oh, 15 hour work week. There it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And also, obviously, one of the things that I speak about is like, it's never time. Like when people are coming to you and saying, I don't have time, you kind of touched on it before. Like it's the bottom of the list. I always joke with people if they want to join time markets or whatever, like I, don't, I already don't have enough time. I'm like, but if Beyonce Cordium was like, I want to fly you to like a three days on a yacht with me, I'm going to do a private show. Would you be like, oh, I don't have time? Or would you figure it out? And you would figure it out. So it's never the time. And obviously I've coached you on this kind of stuff as well. It's like time is just that, especially around sex, I think. It's like everyone just agrees. Everyone's complaining about how they don't have time for it or joking about it. Like I've been in countless conversations like this and guided people to your work and it's like the norm out there is just to accept I don't have time for this when the reality is you will never make time for something you don't see as fun or enjoyable or about you or nourishing or unfortunately productive let's add that one let's be real um you will just never make time for it and so for anyone that's listening that's like no I really don't have time for it I just want you to question like if you knew that making time for pleasure was going to create your seven-figure business, was going to create a deeper connection with your partner, a deeper connection with yourself, more pre- like all of these things, like would you make time for it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, th- and I think, I think you touched on another point too in there, right? It's like we do make time for things that 
we think are going to create a result, right? That are going to give us some sort of result that's desirable for us, but that we also enjoy or that we like to do. And I think that is like a really, like we have to face the reality that most women don't really enjoy sex that much. And like, that's really important to point out. And I just want to really normalize that for any women happening. If you're like, yeah, it's okay, but like take it or leave it. Like that's kind of the thing. You don't even have to be having bad sex to not be as attracted to it, but it has, you know, especially if you've been in a relationship for a long time, it might feel routine. It might feel like a lot of effort. You might, you know, even thinking to yourself, but ugh, then I have to get up and pee afterwards. I just want to go to bed, right? It's like the smallest things can feel like, like, uh, like, is this really that worth the time or worth the effort? Right. So it's like, like seeing the long-term impact, whether that's on overall, how you feel in your body, feeling nourished, feeling like opening up that potential, how it can be so great for your relationship, but then also just like the immediate enjoyment of it. If that was better, if it was more enjoyable, if it didn't feel like very much effort, you're probably going to be also doing it too. So it's like, when Mm -hmm. you make it better, it's not as hard to get yourself in the mood for it (laughs) and I would also say like it doesn't require like it doesn't require as much work as your brain tells you it does yeah our brains like that sounds like a lot of effort a lot of work a lot of struggle and it might be overcoming some discomfort or some pre-programming but it's not it's not actually as difficult as your brain would have you believe that's what I'm saying the hardest part is overcoming the resistance of your brain at the beginning that's yeah. the hardest part. You yeah. know, once you start working through that, you're like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. This is kind of, this is easy. This is fun. But it does take that, like Vicky said, like that little bit of that deprogramming to get going, just like anything else, right? It's like, yeah. usually if you're, if you're a runner or a walker, I hike a lot. Like the hardest part is just putting my hiking boots on. Like once I'm there, it's so easy yeah. to do it. It's just all the shit that my brain throws at me right before I go outside yes so good and then so since you are a time hacker and a pioneer why don't you also share a little bit with people how your relationship with time has changed or how you see like a relationship between time and pleasure yeah well I'll just use an example even yesterday so I have like a quote-unquote like deadline (laughs) which I know Vicky has ideas about that. Right. But like, I'm like, oh, I'm getting this thing done. I'm getting this workbook. And I was really in it. And I was like, really kind of, you know, in this flow state, which is amazing when you find it and going. But then all of a sudden I noticed like my ass was hurting from just sitting for a really long time. And my brain's like, yeah, but you could, you're just in flow, like keep going. And like, this is even when like the work is going exactly how you want and you're getting those things done that you want. And even just in that moment, not because it was like, oh my gosh, I have to get this done. I have to do whatever. Like, but I am like enjoying this. I'm loving 
doing it. But my body was like, no, but we need to go and like lie down or walk Mm -hmm. or do something like you've been sitting here for too long. Mm -hmm. It was like, even then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I put the deadline off a little bit more. Like maybe I give myself a little bit more time to finish this, like this, you know, and my brain still wanted to protest, but it was like, even that small moment is from do like doing that work around time, like giving myself permission that it actually doesn't have to get done by this Mm -hmm. deadline that I created. That's one of them. But then in this moment, right? Like this very tangible moment, I can get up and I can go for a walk or I could take a rest. And I ended up taking like an hour long nap and going for a walk. And then I took a bath, which was my second bath of the day (laughs) during this time. And it felt so great. And then then I had, um, you know, I had more energy and I felt nourished to go. I was like, I don't even have to work for the rest of the day, but I chose to not because I felt like I had to, but because I really wanted to, I, I was enjoying what I was doing and I could just get right back into it. So that's like a, just a very tangible example of how it's like impacting my lived daily experience. I mean, I just love that you had two baths in a day yesterday and you got to share that because I think I'm sure there's people listening that are like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's so luxurious. It's so not what we spent, what we're told to do, but it's like, and it didn't have to come at the cost of anything. If anything, like it adds for sure more value and and you're able to create from a sense of like pleasure over mm-hmm. should and yeah. I think deadlines are a great tool for us to be exposed to our brains and what we believe is possible and it's just like I think it's just a tool we can use and we don't have to use so I, I like that you pointed it out and I will say um what was the other thing I was going to say? And also, I think the fear of flow being switched off, it's such a common thing that we have. Yeah. It's like as though we are not the creator, as though your totally. mind, right? As though your brain isn't the creative part, isn't the creator of flow. And I will hear this time and time again. It's one of the reasons I used to get dragged into still like working at 9 p.m. on a Thursday night. And it's like, but like I'm in the zone. It's like afraid of falling out the zone. Yeah. And then, what happens to you? You, I mean, I used to have terrible backache and lower backache yeah. and like literally being in so much physical pain because the most important thing was the work. The most important thing was like finishing it and seeing it through and whatever it might be. So I just think there's so many delicious nuggets in what you yeah. just- Yeah. Well, and I love what you said, like coming back to the flow, it's like you can just fall back in line. And, and I think I was so afraid of that. And I'm really seeing that, especially with this huge project, I've been creating this course and this like elaborate workbook and like all of this stuff. And so it's like, I, I hadn't really found flow before I hadn't really found that. Like, it felt like, you know, like this, like start, stop, like, like, uh, like not well oiled machine. It felt like a lot more, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I'm so behind so much procrastination. I have to get my ass in gear. And so then by the time I did, and I was doing that work, it wasn't really enjoyable. Like from the outside, it was like, yes, I, I love what I do. I love this thing. But like in the, the, the moment to moment, I Mm -hmm. wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is so great. This is so fun. I'm so glad I'm doing that. Right. And I know so much of that was because of the way that I was looking at, I have to get my work done. I need to get it done. And, you know, 
through, through working with you, like really starting to eliminate that and eliminating this thing. Like if I'm not working, that I'm lazy or here you are being a procrastinator again, all of these stories that I've had about myself for my whole life. When I started reprogramming those and redoing those, then when I did work, it gave me access to flow because I wasn't like afraid if I wasn't working, then I was going to be beat up by my own self-criticism about the way that I work or the lack of work that I'm getting done or producing. And so it just became this more enjoyable experience in and of itself. And I told myself, anytime that mindset comes in, like you're not allowed to work. Like that was my rule for a really long time. And it still is my rule, but it was like, that would allowed me to get up out of my seat, go for a walk. Like if it felt like I was forcing myself ever. And so it's like, now what I'm working, it's pretty much, I always feel in flow, even if that flow is seven and a half minutes or it's three hours, you know, it's like, it's there, it's accessible to me. It's available to me because I've created a hospitable environment for flow to like come through instead of this like harsh environment of, you know, fear and (laughs) deadlines and the possibility of a complete self-concept attack based on what I did or didn't get done. It's so important what you just said, because I think we're so trained to focus on what we are doing and like what we've got done in a day instead of like how we were fueling ourselves. And we spoke about this with pleasure as well. And we obviously, and it's like, two people can write a sales page in the same day. We already know the results of those two sales pages are going to be different. We already know the experience those humans have in that day, the joy, the experience, the connection, the experience is going to be different. Like we are so busy sacrificing our days and our hours to get through these tasks because we're told these tasks, much like the, um, cheap pleasures we spoke about earlier we're told these are going to be what makes you feel good but they come and they go it's the same I think with tasks where it's like these are going to what be what makes you successful but then they come and go and you're so busy doing them and answering to a learned way of having pleasure or a learned way of having success that it's like you're not even realizing you're not creating the pleasure you want you're not even realizing you're not creating the success that you want because you're so in it and that's why I see I see a lot of you know, we have a lot of these conversations, me and you, um, but I see so many similarities there of like actually being willing to step off the like norm, the done thing and do that irresponsible thing and unplug and go take a bath in the middle of the day and, you know, whatever it might be. And then seeing, I mean, really, I was thinking about this the other day. I was I was on a walk. And I was like, how did we become so obsessed with work? Like how, like if I walk down the street, I guarantee 50% of the people that I'm walking past are thinking about work or work-related things or productivity or something that they have to get done on their to-do list. Actually not just, when I say work, I don't just mean work. I mean kind of like output or doing. So it can be buying things for my kid's birthday party, but it's like never stillness. It's never like, pleasure it's never that connection to our body Mm -hmm. we're so full we're like exploding yeah I just like I really 
you know, obviously read a, a lot around it and whatever, but it's just so interesting that this is what we've become as humans is like consumers, which is what you really help people, I think, with is like detaching from the external consumption to create pleasure. And for me, producers, and this is just my geeky economic self coming out um, and seeing ourselves as like, you know, that factory mindset that I speak about that like our value is in doing and bless my mom. But, you know, I'm spending a lot of time with her recently and she'll always say things and now we joke about it together but she'll say like oh I feel good because I did something like how are you I feel better because I did something I feel better because I put the laundry on I feel better because I took the dogs out for a walk it's like what if you could just feel better without having to do anything and I will say that she has now input in her life like more rest and she will go have a nap in the middle of the day or go into bed and we laugh about it but really seeing it um and seeing that training of you know I must well once I've done everything that I can rest it's like why yeah yeah well and I think it is it it becomes this discomfort right of you know and I and I see it at my husband like his outlet is to do projects like him and I we love to do projects together like yard projects house projects we're like you know, we're, you know, we built a yurt, we refill, you know, like we've done all this like crazy stuff and we really, really like it. And recently, you know, we've been having this like back and forth conversation and because he knows that I like projects and I always do them, but like recently on the weekends, I'm like, Hey, like, why don't you just come sit with us? And he was like, because we have all these projects and I love doing that. I was like, yeah, but he's like, but this is my outlet. Like this is my rest, right? Like he really does see all these projects as his rest. And I do think it gives him something that work doesn't, right? You know, and I do think that there is, there are different levels, right? Because when we're talking about where the brain is going, like sometimes, you know, I do think there's something about doing nothing that is different than doing something. But for him, doing a task is his, like a project is his most easy, accessible way to get his brain to calm. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so I do think like with certain people, like getting their brain to slow down and to not think and to be in that special space where it's like almost bored in a way because of these mundane tasks. Um, you know, it's like at the beginning, you do have to find your way to do that. And it stillness looks different for different people. Like stillness from the outside, I think is it's a real thing. You know, it's why a lot of meditation teachers and um, even if you go to any sort of monastery, like there is time in sitting in actual stillness. And there's also time in being mindful and doing like walking meditations and mm-hmm. uh, chore meditations and these other things, because there's these monotonous tasks that can also help the brain settle. That all being said, I'm still the girls and I are sitting there like just being on the couch and we're like but just come like he's like but you guys aren't doing anything we're like exactly (laughs) that's the point come cuddle with us (laughs) I think you're absolutely right and one of the things I don't know if you joined rest week but one of the things I spoke about was like rest is just not resisting the moment you're in and so if he is in the lowest resistance state and he is like physically doing a mundane task then like that is totally restful for him. So I think that's yeah. a really good point to share. I love that. Yeah. 
Amazing. I mean, I could talk to you for hours and I'm hoping that you'll have a bit of availability after we finish recording. (laughs) (laughs) But is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Obviously, we're going to tell them about your podcast and where they can find you. Oh, sorry. There was one other thing I wanted to speak about. Yeah, yeah. Was your break from social media. So I think it's really cool. I mean, firstly, I will say, and I don't know if it's timing wise or whatever, but Obviously, you've been in um, the 15 hour work week and uh, you are a pioneer in your own work and always have been. Um, but I also, an interesting trend I saw in the group is like a lot of people changing their businesses to grow more in line with what they wanted. And it could be um, changing the offers or like, you know, changing who they serve or whatever it might be. And I think it's very interesting for people listening to know that obviously, when you think about creating, a a low hour work week you think that you're just going to be doing less but actually what I saw you guys do was like shift how you work so it's actually more of what you want to do and Mm -hmm. create offers I mean and you'll speak we'll speak about your offer as well your current offer because it's so powerful but create things that they just like know is like their work and I think that's been a really powerful thing to see so the two things that I want to speak about are one you your break from social media even though everyone listen even though she's was regularly getting viral um reels even though and two the change that you've made in your business and let's speak about your current offer so talk to us yeah. Yeah. So the social media, that one was, um, I think I knew for a long time I wanted to make a change, but it's the fear, right? It's like what we've been told about social media, what we've been told about, like, that's the way to build your business and you have to show up and you have to be consistent and all those. And like Vicky said, it's like, I had, um, you know, I had about 30,000 followers. I was getting, you know, regularly multi six figure views on every reel. Um, Oftentimes it went into the seven figure views. And um, what I noticed was what was happening in my body because being in my body so often what was happening in my body, like the first thing that I woke up, it almost felt like someone was just kind of grabbing in my chest and like pulling me towards you know, oh, like what's next or what's these next reels. And I was also dealing with the fact because of my subject matter is sex. Like I was regularly getting shadow banned or I got kicked off the platform completely, you know? So there was also those frustrations of like, okay, I'm putting in this time, I'm putting in this effort, you know, to reach an audience, but you're not letting my audience see what I'm creating or your, um, you know, making it even more challenging for me to even show up at all. So there was like all of that frustration, but really it came down to like, where is my, like my waking hours? Like, where is my mind going? How is my time literally being spent because I'm involved with this platform and it's And where do I want to be spending my time? Where do, if like, I have only these amount of waking hours, like, where do I want to be spending my time? Mm. And I don't want to be thinking if I'm getting shadow banned or not. I don't want to be thinking about creating some real where to be honest, like, I feel like I'm like a marionette in other people's entertainment half the time of like, oh, I have to show up in this way and give them what they want and do all this. Did I find enjoyment? Absolutely. I had a great time. I got my message out there. It was awesome. 
And it stopped being that way. And it started being this thing where I felt like it was for other people, just like our pleasure, right? It's like this thing Mm -hmm. for other people and not what was for me. And I think when you're in a place of service and so many people are finding value of what you put out there, that makes it even harder to choose to not do it because you're like, but so many people love it and they're getting so many value and I'm getting DMs all the time, how this thing like changed their life and all of that stuff. And it's like, but this is literally killing my creativity, even though it seems like it wouldn't be because it's making me more creative. Like this is literally killing like me and in the morning and like my anxiety and my stress, like all of it. So it was a very challenging decision, especially then I'm like, oh, my business is going to fail. All these things are going to fail. And now I've been off for almost a full six months. I'm still trying to like kind of figure it out, but I just have to say the amount of space I have in my brain the freedom I have in my body, the amount of the time that I had to, you know, and this is also what I help my clients do, right? Like balance their nervous system. Mm-hmm. I just don't have to balance my nervous system as much, right? Like it's like, you can always balance your nervous system and regulate it. That's great. But then you can also eliminate something that is constantly triggering to your nervous system and you just don't have to work on that. So like the amount of hours that alone saved me from thinking about it, you know, consuming it, mindlessly scrolling through it, checking to see how stuff was doing, worrying about what I'm going to post the next day, and then regulating my nervous system because of being on that platform. Like that alone is like, I don't even know how many hours a week, right? Like 40 hour work week right there. (laughs) So good. Yeah. One of the things we spoke about is like, we forget that that's literally been created. I think it's like designed by the same people that design the jackpot machines and casinos. Like it's been built to be addictive. Um, And as a business owner, as a human, because I even have people tell me like, oh, you know, if you're dating and you're in the dating world, then you have to have like a good online presence. Like we've literally created these machines that we are consuming and producing for in a way that's like impacting our nervous system and impacting how we feel about ourselves like it's just it's like this machine has moved so fast and we we've not really been intentional about it so I think it's really powerful for people to hear that like you can make decisions for yourself but like exactly you said it perfectly like yes you can do the work I'm regulating your nervous system. You can do the work on being okay there, but you don't have to. And I think a lot of people listening are probably, I mean, Jenna also in the mastermind, she now is using social media, but she wasn't using it. Um, And she obviously made over six figures that way. And it's like, we just buy into this like need to be on social media. And when you're on there, you've got to be on there every day and consistently. You've got to be on there. Like I'm so inconsistent with it. It's like really seeing it much like what we spoke about with the deadline as a tool for you when it's built to suck you in. It's built to be one of those uh, pleasures. It's built to be addictive. Yeah. It really, I see how it really like ties into both of our work and for sure will be impacting every single person that's listening as a consumer and as a producer. It's it's very volatile and very, it can really be the thing that takes away your power. That's just what I will share. So I think it's so yeah. 
amazing that you've done that and and for people to hear that you did that even though you actually were successful online you actually were creating viral reeves reeves reels (laughs) we'll definitely have to close up soon um reels that people might be like oh my god I would love to get that once I've got that then I've made it and it's like you can do all that and still choose like actually no this isn't valuable this isn't important yeah like I am valuable I am valuable Danielle is valuable not the reels not the viewers and like yeah more more creativity from more space Totally. Well, it's like, that's the thing is like, when you really think about like, okay, if you only have a certain amount of creativity, or you only have a certain amount of mental energy, or like, like, um, you know, content type creation or creating value in the world, which I love to do, how much mental energy is going to creating this post like I was looking at how much mental energy it was to just like constrict down something and write it in this like one quick like easily digestible post or one quick and easily digestible reel where it's like I could be using that same mental energy to help my clients get results in my programs that can help them you know maybe write one email that's really powerful that I'm going to send out this week or one podcast episode or whatever it may be and my level of creativity thinking on that has been like my brain power has been increased so much for the things that I actually find valuable. And I think it it really is. It's so hard. It was really, really hard. There were so many people that are like, yeah, but you know, if you have an online business, you have to be on there. You Mm -hmm. have to be on social media. You have like, this is just the way you just have to swallow it. And it's like every single, almost every single business owner I talk to, they don't really like it. There's not really, but they feel like they have to. And now they've talked to their brain into enjoying it more because they feel like, well, this is a necessary thing to have a successful business. And if it's necessary, I might as well convince myself that I'm really enjoying it where I've also noticed like so many of the women that I want to work with or that are, you know, um, out there in the world, they're also not wanting to be on social media. Like there's so many people that are really not wanting to be on social media. And it's fascinating to me how in the business world, we're still like, but you have to, you have to, you have to, when so many people are starting to opt out of. So it's like, no, but how are we going to get creative with being able to talk to still a large audience without using this platform? that we know isn't really healthy for us, nor is it that healthy for our, like our ideal client. Mm. And that to me is like truly what it means to be a pioneer. To be like everyone else says otherwise, everyone else says right. And I'm looking left because that's what feels right for me. Yeah. I haven't figured it out yet. So just, you know, but I'm like willing to, I'm like, I'm going, there's other avenues I'm finding. Like there's other things that I'm doing. Um, so, but I, I do think that there's so much discussion around just being off or disconnected and, and just in your personal life, it's like, even just with my children and on my weekends, like not thinking about like, oh, I got to put this in a story or, you know, it's just like, none of it none of it so good thank you for sharing that because it's super powerful and relevant and I'm sure there's people listening that are like wait I could like grow a business or have a life not on social media um like I said to you for me it's like really uh seeing it as my tool 
But again, like you said, you've not figured it out. I would say I wouldn't, I've not figured it out either. And I think that also is, is the thing for everyone to take away from that is like, you don't have to have it all figured out. And what if it's never figured out? Because figured out, it's like the way we're taught to think is like, and then you figure it out and then that box is complete and then you can move on to the next thing instead of like, the world is moving so fast. We're constantly evolving. Like what I said about when I worked with you around pleasure and it's like, it's waves. It's not like a yes or no. It's not a, for me, it's not, I'm on it or not on it. It's like waves. How do I want to use this? Um, And I would just encourage everyone to think about what they want from it. But let's speak about the creativity that was created and what you, what was blossomed, what was born with that creativity. So tell everyone about your course. Yeah. So I have a new course. It's called Undressed. And it's really about some of the things that Vicky and I were talking about earlier. You know, I find that the bedrock for a better sex life or mind blowing sex life really starts with you, you know, starts with the woman starts with us like undressing, like really taking off all of the layers of the stuff that was put on us, whether it was about our body, about pleasure in general, which we touched on some of those, you know, myths around pleasure in general or around sex at large, right? Right? And until we start kind of like take paying attention to those, like really connecting with our own body just for us, like then we get to bring that into the bedroom. So this course is really just focused on you and your own internal experience um, with pleasure, with creating the time for it, with being in your body and feeling a different kind of relationship with your body that isn't about just passively living with it or about criticizing and changing it and picking and prodding at it. But like, how do we adore our bodies? How do we relate to them? How do we feel like in relationship with them and connect with them, but then in this sensual, erotic and sexual and like juicy way. So yes, that's the course. And how can people find it? Uh, my website, daniellesavory.com slash undressed is the best way. I do still have an active Instagram account. I just am not posting on it, but you can also go there to go to the bio and go in the LinkedIn to find any current stuff that I'm offering or what I'm up to. So what's your Instagram handle? Uh, at danielle.savory. Perfect. And we'll get those links in the show notes. Yes. And just thank you so much. I so appreciate you. I'm so grateful to know you, to have been guided by you, to have been like a lot of what I've created has come from many of the things that you taught me. So thank you. Um, Yes. Thank you. It's reciprocal. And if you do want to hear more about Vicky's work and what she did, you can also check out the podcast episode that you were on my podcast with. Yes. We can link to that in show notes as well. Yes. Yes. Yes amazing and thank you for being a pioneer in this work it's my honor to um to work with you too so fun all right lovely people that's it from us bye hey if you want to get five hours a week back minimum for life then i want to invite you to join time hackers it's this podcast on speed where you'll get access to time hacking tools not shared on the podcast. You'll get access to my proven process for hacking your time to get five hours back every week at least. It's also my favorite place to hang out and will be yours too as you connect with other time hackers where you'll get celebrated, supported and coached of course. 
you are a time hacker, this is where you belong. Head to vickilouise.com forward slash group. I can't wait to see you there.